Hi, this is Melissa. And Steve Simon. I've been listening to the show for probably at least 20 years. And we're from Carpentersville. Um, you are listening to Smart Talk Radio. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. All Albatross! 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 Two good humans, please. I haven't got any good humans. I just got this bloody albatross. Albatross! What flavour is it? It's a bird, mate. It's a bloody bird. It's not any bloody flavour. Albatross! Oh, there's got to be some flavour. I mean, everything's got a flavour. All right, he's bloody albatross flavour. is bloody sea bloody bird bloody flavour. Albatross! Uh, do you get wafers with it? Get bloody wafers with a bloody albatross, isn't it? Albatross! I'll have two, please. I've only got one, you c- Albatross! It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas, wind blowing through breathing trees, strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Good planets are in the main. I can't believe, and I didn't even think about this until just now, that I don't have the albatross drop-in. It didn't even occur to me. Oh, dear. I know. I want to throw that in, but I don't have it. I could probably get it during the break. I'll do that. We, we could have Andrew just pop in and say it. Uh, say, uh, Andrew, just say albatross. Albatross. Okay. It's not the same as John Cleese, but. It'll uh, do. Uh, Until the break. All right. Can you do it in the British accent, please? Albatross. That's pretty good, I'm actually. I'm kind of sick today. That's the reason. Uh, <laughs> I can't, it's gonna, my voice is going to sound higher than it usually does. Albatross! All right. I, had to I have get to the... hear it first, and then I'll replicate okay. it. Okay. Uh, welcome to the show and uh, the uh, beginning bit uh, in honor of our first guest today, uh, who is going to, yes, we're talking about albatrosses. Uh, and uh, or, or is it albatrosses? Albatross, plural? We're going to find Albatois? That. Uh, I, I don't know. We'll have to ask. Uh, and uh, if you want a name, uh, you can uh, try Vitika Holtheitsen. Uh, and if you look how it's spelled, you will. In fact, if I had to tell you to spell Vitika Holtheitsen, you would not get it right unless you're Dutch. Uh, so, you mean, and, and I think people have problems with Novak. Okay. Uh <laughs> Try Vitika Holt 
Heisen. You told a joke. I am not laughing. Perhaps the joke was not funny. Uh, it's never funny here. All right. Uh, and she's uh, been out to Midway Atoll. And I guess that's how you pronounce that as well. We're going to find out what, what an atoll is. Uh, Midway Island. I guess. Islands, actually, there's, I believe, three of them. Uh, I think it's technically, though, an atoll, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, she's been working with albatross there, and they're in danger from, believe it or not, mice. Because we introduced the mice. Oh, boy. Um, anyway... It's a very interesting story. She, uh, she's from Northern Illinois University. She's in the lobby right now. We're going to bring her in and, and talk all about that. And then later on, we're going to talk about a group in Chicago trying to grow flowers and sell them in a part of the city. And they're having trouble with it, but we'll have more on that, too. When it comes to tree care, it's all about the science. Well, there's love and history and family, too. But you definitely want the best science for your trees. That's why you should contact Bartlett Tree Experts at Bartlett.com. With 120 offices around the world, including Canada, England, and Ireland, Bartlett is the largest residential tree care firm in the world. Their work is backed by the science of the Bartlett Research Laboratories in North Carolina. They pioneered integrated pest management or IPM in the 1970s, introduced the first organic fertilizer, and now Bartlett is the first and only tree care company to research the benefits of biochar on urban soils and tree health. At the same time, they're focused on you and your needs, meaning that they'll do the right thing for your tree and you. Put science to work for your trees. Get a free estimate today because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. You want to install a solar energy system for your home, but you're afraid you'll be overwhelmed by choices and jargon. You need to talk to our friends at Albright Solar. Albright Solar offers a boutique, hands-on approach to your situation. They know the ins and outs of local solutions. They take the confusion out of the process and make solar simple, giving you the confidence to enjoy your investment. Harness the power of the sun. Go to albright.solar or call 773-887-6446. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Do you know that Chicagoans are getting healthier all the time? This is Peggy, and I know this is true because for eight years I've been publishing Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest magazine. And if you want your message to reach this growing market, you need to get your business in front of our readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us that our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and they're ready to take action. That's more than 80,000 people in Chicago who will respond to your message. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, doctors, dentists, nutritionists, health coaches, yoga, even home improvement and landscape experts. Natural Awakenings is a free monthly magazine available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. Call me today to expand your market and grow your business. 847-858-3697. That's 847-858-3697. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. 
uh, as I have often told people, this is uh, the happiest instrument in the world. You cannot play a sad song on a ukulele. And I and and our guest here in the studio, I was hoping you were. Did you see my note last night? I did. I'm so sorry. So I was already over in Long Grove last evening. Otherwise, uh, I would have brought my ukulele because yes, because she does play the, the do, ukulele. That's not what she does primarily, <laughs> but you just do that uh, and sings karaoke. I do. Oh yeah. Do you really? Oh. Yes, love me some karaoke. <laughs> uh, uh, that is Vitika Holtheitsen. How am I doing? Awesome. Yes, uh, very impressed. There we go. There you go. <laughs> uh, and uh, she is a uh, National Science Foundation graduate student of biological sciences at Northern Illinois University. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. And uh, she is uh, a woman who has decided that she wants to take her knowledge and good works halfway across the planet to Midway. Now, is it technically an island or an atoll? Technically an atoll, because Midway is composed of three islands. All right. Why don't you explain to our listeners uh, what an atoll is? Sure. So Midway, like a lot of other islands that we're aware of, like the main Hawaiian islands, it was volcanic once in nature. So that produced like the actual island. But over Mm -hmm. time, as it aged, um, the rock and everything else starts to kind of wear away and the island subsides. But in the meantime, there's like a coral reef that will start to grow around the perimeter of the island. And over time, as the island subsides, this coral reef continues to grow upwards. And so then you get this ring that forms, essentially. That's like Mm -hmm. the outside of the atoll. And then on the inside, you might have a couple islands. So that's what an atoll is. (laughs) All right. And yeah, and I was reading up about this uh, just a little bit. And the idea is that there's there's water on the inside, too. Mm -hmm. uh, And the coral around Mm -hmm. it is high enough so that there's a lagoon. Yes. Or something like yeah. that, generally on one of these atolls. Yes, exactly. So the inside of Midway, you do have a beautiful lagoon. And so it provides sort of like a, I don't know, like a nice, like calm area. Like the coral reef acts as a barrier. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, stops like really big waves from coming in or at least from being as severe as they would otherwise. And on the inside, you know, these islands can start to form um, mm-hmm. because of the waters have kind of calmed down a bit. And that can produce like really wonderful, unique ecosystems and also thriving coral, like, around mm-hmm. at the edge of the reef. All right. And, and, you, and, and attract a lot of yes. birds and wildlife. Yeah, yeah. But uh, these areas, uh, these islands slash atolls, uh, are very vulnerable, too, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, so, and, I mean, yeah. and I mean that because they're so low mm-hmm. uh, that you have a storm or the waves come up. Uh, they can wash over a lot of these. Yeah, so that's one of the big concerns um, with many of the northwestern Hawaiian islands over time. Um, sea level rise is, is, of course, a concern as well, but um, the bigger issue is that of overwash events. So that mm-hmm. can happen when you have an especially severe storm that comes through, um, and major waves are generated, and they can easily wash over um, the edge of the emergent reef and flood some of the islands. So that's a big problem, especially when you've got, you know, millions of seabirds that are nesting. It just takes one one bad overwash event to have a pretty negative impact. And what kind of negative impact can be there? I mean, we're talking you you're mentioning birds and I was mm-hmm. and we were talking in the lobby a little bit and primarily there are bird populations there. There's not a whole lot of other kinds of life except if it's introduced by mm-hmm. 
human beings, right? <laughs> exactly. And wars. And yes, 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 yes. So, um, yeah, currently Midway is home to about 3 million seabirds every single year. Um, some of them breed there. Some of them stop over on Midway during their migration um, from over 20 different species. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that are at Midway. We have a small population between 30 to 40 people out there. Um, some of them are, are with the Fish and Wildlife Service, so they do a lot of the biological conservation work. Um, and then we also have several um, contractors out there who essentially maintain the facilities yeah. and the airport, the runway as well. Well, let's let's go. It's, since we're setting up everything, <laughs> uh, Midway is going to sound familiar to a lot of people, mm-hmm. and it's because it was a famous battle in World War II. Um, it was a, a stop-off point. It act- was actually again used uh, in the Korean War. Uh, because it's basically in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and so and it was as part you, of when they set up the cable systems mm-hmm, across uh, the ocean and uh, refueling, resupplying, that sort of thing. So uh, human presence on it um, was 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 to a large extent. There was a large extent of human um, intrusion, let's say, mm-hmm. on the atoll. So the normally you wouldn't have mammalian species there but we had rats and mice because of course the transports brought Mm -hmm. them yeah yeah absolutely so i mean by accident um you know during the 1940s when midway was really getting built up Mm -hmm. uh, in regards to world war ii um rats and mice were brought over accidentally by ships and Mm -hmm. i mean you know the the of issue then, have, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how, how are you going to stop that? Right, and the you know the concern wasn't biosecurity; it was national security. So, and you, know, and you could deal with a few rats, you could you know a few mice, right. you know, you could control those. Uh, and at that time, nobody was thinking, what's that going to do to the indigenous bird population? Right, right. And the birds were also seen as a bit of a nuisance at that point in time because you know you have planes coming in and taking off. And if you have millions of seabirds flying around, that's a major issue mm-hmm. in terms of strikes and collisions. So I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. That had to be a serious problem then and continued to be over the decades. Right. Yeah. It was unfortunate because at the time, um, people tried a lot of different things to try to get rid of the birds. So they paved over a lot of the islands of Midway Sand and Eastern Island, which, I mean, you still see that today. There's just like massive... Um, areas that are just, you know, have been pouring with concrete, um, you know, they... But, they tr- but they've been left to decay, right? Right, yeah. Nowadays, so now, yes. So now, yes. So now, and with the salt and the water, I imagine lots of cracks, lots of yeah. uh, mm-hmm. vegetation is mm-hmm. growing up in mm-hmm. these places. Yes, absolutely. Except for, you know, the main runway that's still maintained because right. that's an emergency runway. So that one is, yeah. you know, still intact. And it is a Fish and Wildlife Service wildlife refuge. Yes, it refuge. is. Yes, yes. Uh, it was turned over to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, what, 1996 or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it was in the 90s. So it officially was under the mm-hmm. jurisdiction then, Fish and so Wildlife it, it Service. So it went from the, the, the Navy mm-hmm. to... To the wildlife service. Yes, yes. As they said, they're trading guns for goonies. So, <laughs> All right. sounds like a T-shirt. I know. <laughs> yeah. What's a goonie? A goonie. So a goonie bird is like the colloquial term used for the albatross on Midway because they look a little goofy mm-hmm. when they're walking around. They're very ungainly on land. When they're mm-hmm. flying, they're very yeah. beautiful and elegant. But on land, they tend to waddle around. They look a little bit like clowns when they're, they're big walking. Feet. So they're they're called Goonie Birds for that reason. And that became a nickname for a plane in World War II. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so how is it that – all right, you, your folks came over from the Netherlands. Yes. Yes. All right. Where did you grow up? 
So I grew up just outside of Boise, Idaho. All right. So, so you're a, a Boise, Idaho gal. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and now you're in Illinois. Mm-hmm. How does a Boise, Idaho gal uh, via Northern Illinois University end up on Midway Atoll? That's a very strange series of events. <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, you know, growing up, I so my, both my parents are scientists, and mm-hmm. they're always very enthusiastic and passionate about me just getting outside, getting my hands dirty. And so I was interested in, you know, biology and ecology already just you know, naturally at a young age. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to college, I saw the application for Midway pop up and it sounded just so exotic. I mean, you know, going to an island in the middle of nowhere and you have millions of birds around you, it just sounded like an absolute paradise and so different from the world I'd grown up in in Idaho, which I love the state. It's very beautiful. Unique. It really is a beautiful state. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the Sagebrush Steppe Basin and Range ecosystem is something that's really near and dear to my heart, but a tropical, well, I should say a subtropical island just sounded too exotic to pass up. And uh-huh. so I saved up money all throughout my undergrad. And then I applied to go out to Midway to mm-hmm. work on the, out there on um, seabird studies, but also habitat restoration. And like the rest is history. I mean, I just fell in love with that. I fell in love with island work. Um, that's how I came across um, Holly Jones, who's my advisor. And she's based out of Northern Illinois University. So that's how I ended up there, which is you know, surprising. You think mm-hmm. like island work in Illinois, but yeah, you don't, yeah. you don't, you mm-hmm. don't think of that at all. And yeah. that's well, and and uh, the minute it was suggested to me that I might want to talk to you, I said, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, let's. This is this is too interesting. So there you are, and you're surrounded by goonie birds. And if you go to my website, mikenovak.net, and you look at uh, the blog <laughs> post, I have this amazing photo that was taken by Forrest and Kim Starr of a baby yeah. goonie bird in it's surrounded by its own guano splatterings. It it's, but very artistically. It, oh, yes. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's a wonderful <laughs> photograph. I mean, if you can say that about uh, an albatross yep. <laughs> uh, that's sur- surrounded by uh, bird poop. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like everyday life out there is, yeah, there's a lot of bird poop. It's kind of, uh, it's got mm-hmm. its own specific aroma. But it's actually like such a really, like it's a beautiful photograph because it really gets at something that's unique to these mm-hmm. seabird islands uh-huh. is the fact that they are so guano enriched. And people might not think like guano is all that important. Guano was incredibly important because of its high nutrient content. Mm-hmm. So it was very heavily mined on islands. Well, we, we, we hear of bat guano, right. which is a, a, a mammal's guano, but this is a bird guano. Yeah. So how, mm-hmm. how would it be different? I mean, it's, it's very similar in that it's very nutrient enriched. Like it's very high in nitrogen. Um, so it's really attractive to people, especially like, you know, in the early 1900s, it was, it was a very profitable fertilizer to get your hands mm-hmm. on. Um, but, you know, beyond people as well, like this guano is actually really important to seabird islands because it brings in a lot of nutrients because otherwise, like these islands are very nutrient poor in general. So this yes, guano. Yes, I would imagine. Yeah. Right. And so the guano, I mean, that breaks it down and that that really supports in turn vegetation and that supports invertebrates. And what kind of vegetation grows there? Um, so typically in these northwestern Hawaiian islands, um, they're very subtropical. They're really different from the Hawaiian islands. They're quite a bit drier. Mm-hmm. Um, and you tend to have like low growing like plants and grasses. They're they're very open. Um, they're not, you know, big swaying palm trees or, you yeah. know, really lush. Right. But they're typically like a little bit more on the arid side and they're very open. And we were talking again in the lobby of how so many non-native species mm-hmm. and trees 
And canaries and yeah. other things were brought in <laughs> yeah, yeah. by people who were building up Midway. Yeah. So, I mean, an uh, example of that is ironwood trees that were brought mm-hmm. in. Um, because when people first came out to Midway, like one of the islands is called Sand Island because, yeah, it was just like it a big sand. chunk of sand. Mm-hmm. Um, so a very intense place to live in terms mm-hmm. of wind, exposure. And so people wanted to have something as a windbreak. And so they brought in ironwood trees to just provide some shade, some kind of a windbreak, stabilize the soil. Why ironwood trees? Um, ironwoods are supposed to be, like, well-adapted to salty, like, kind of oceanic environments. Mm-hmm. So they tend to thrive well in really sandy soils. And, so, and have they survived? Oh, yes. Yes, we have big forests of ironwood <laughs> on, on sand islands still to you, this day. You know, and if you were in Illinois, I might say, hey, plant an ironwood tree. If you're on Midway Atoll, I would say, mm, no, you probably don't want to do that because it's not indigenous and no no they can especially, be especially i mean if you had one as a as a sample mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. a, a specimen right maybe right. okay we have about a minute here oh, sure. before we break and then we'll be back sure uh give me one minute on the state of albatross on midway island so midway we're very lucky in that the albatross are actually thriving quite well uh, midway is the largest albatross colony in the world we have over 1.5 million um that are out there so we're really excited about that. And in general, their populations have been going mm-hmm. up on Midway, which is another very positive fact. That's not something that you see in general for albatross around the world. Mm. Um, but there are some major conservation threats that we're facing right now, which we'll jump yeah. into later, I'm well, sure. Well, and, we'll tease it right yeah. here because it's, uh, it's on the blog post because it, the blog post is called The Albatross and the Mouse. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not talking Disney here, folks, no. okay? <laughs> we, are, we are talking something completely different, and uh, mice are a threat to they albatross are. on the... By the way, is it albatrosses or albatross? I think you use both. Really? You yes, can. you could say albatrosses, sure. yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. That's uh, Vitika Holtheitsen. I think I'm still getting You're it right. getting it. Perfect. <laughs> we're talking albatross and mice. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook and YouTube at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. We're also at TheGreenDivas.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on the Smart Talk Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. Sign up to get our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. Are you looking for a new ride? Ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed away down the highway? Zero to 60 in under three seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2019 Tesla Model X, the award-winning all-electric SUV. But you need to get your tickets soon because only 2,500 will be sold. So how do you win? Go to store.illinoisolar.org. That's store.illinoisolar.org. Buy one raffle ticket for $100 or the four-pack for $300. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. The winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 5th, 2019. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible to win, and you don't even need to be present at the drawing to claim your prize. So get your tickets, the rules, and all the other small print details at IllinoisSolar.org today. 
City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center, wants to remove all barriers to your gardening success. How? By providing organic heirloom plants for your kitchen garden, pollinator-friendly natives and annuals, container planting to go. They deliver the plants you put them in. Who does that? Classes for adults and kids, special events, and more. They even have complimentary valet parking on weekends. 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa, citygrange.com. Learn. Shop. Blossom. See, I managed to have music ready this time when we Yay. came back. Okay. And uh, I actually, I, I managed to get something else. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want that one. No, 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 no. I gotta, Wait a second. I, gotta, I almost had this under control, oh, but dear. no, not quite under control. I don't know why. Okay. If I get rid of that, that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to bring this up so I could play. Hi, this is Melissa. No, I didn't want to play that either. Oh, come on. It, okay. It went back to the top. Uh Hi, Melissa. Hi, Melissa, and, and you guys, because I just wanted to play the bit we did at the top of the show because uh, I don't know if you heard this. Albatross! There we go. There we go. Albatross! All right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. And he says it singularly, albatross. Uh, yes, he does. And I'll bet you do, too. I do, I do tend to say albatross when yeah. I'm no, speaking who, about Nobody's going to say albatrosses. Many. That just sounds weird. a lot weird. of S's. That it is. It's a, <laughs> So what is an albatross for our listeners who aren't familiar with it? Sure. So albatross are very large, long-lived seabirds. Um, mm-hmm. They spend most of their life at sea. Long-lived? Um, how long? Oh, such a good question. So we actually don't really know for albatross um, because there is one bird on Midway. Um, her name is Wisdom, mm-hmm. and she's the oldest breeding bird in the wild. She's over 65 years old. Oh. Um, and she still comes back to Midway Almost every single year, she goes back to the same spot and lays an egg. So she's still raising chicks. We're actually waiting to see if she's coming back this season or she might, you know, take off a year. But so we don't really actually even know. <laughs> just, she could be older than, you it know, just 65. Tuck, it tuckers yeah. her out to do that at the age of 65. Right, yeah. take a little break. She has, she's had between 33 and 36 yeah. chicks. Yes, yes. Because when they banded her back in the 1950s, she was already breeding at that point in time. So... She could have been five years old. She could have been Mm -hmm. 20. She could have been much older. So we don't even know exactly how long these birds could live, but it's thought to be, you know, kind of like on the longer end. Forever. (laughs) Yeah. Well, don't they say that some parrots uh, can live to the 80s and 90s? Yeah. 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 So it wouldn't be surprising, you know, if if albatross are very similar in that sense. All right. And there's multiple varieties. Multiple different types of albatross. Yes, yes. yes. So um, on Midway, the most common and abundant um, species that you'll see is the lace and albatross. So they're the iconic white birds with the black wings. Mm. And then we also have black-footed albatross. There's about... There's a much smaller amount of them. I mean, about 33% of the world's black-footed albatross reside on Midway, and they're all dark. They have very black feet. Mm-hmm. And then we occasionally do get short-tailed albatross. Um, they're enormous. They're very beautiful. They have, like, this big golden head and um, a bright pink beak and blue feet. Um, they only really breed off of the coast of Japan on a couple islands, but we have one pair that's on Midway, and they actually have an egg that they're mm-hmm. sitting on right now. So it's really exciting. Does it— do you really care if uh, a species like that is indigenous? I mean, how do you even know it's indigenous? Would you know? With albatross? Yeah. Or, um, or within other bird species that come there? 
Um, so, I mean, with the albatross, I mean, that is largely based on, like, fossil records as well. We know that they were... Oh, okay. Yeah, we know that they were widespread throughout the Maine and northwestern Hawaiian Islands. You don't really... And by the way, what is the chain called that where, where Midway Atoll is? So, Midway is located at the end of the northwestern Hawaiian Islands, and that's part of a larger marine national monument, a protected area called the Papahanao Mokuakea Marine National Monument. <laughs> All right, there you go. Just, just, and she doesn't even have any coffee with her. I just, that. I'm going. <laughs> I, I can hardly say albatross. Uh, so, uh, uh, wow, uh, that that is a mouthful. Yes. It's, it's more of a mouthful than uh, Vitica. Yes, so, I know. Uh, uh, so, uh, all right. Well, let's get to the issue here because we only have a few minutes, uh, and that is, uh, as we mentioned before, during the war, World War II, uh, mice and rats were uh, brought onto mm-hmm. the island. Um, with no natural predators, I would no, assume. I don't no. think the albatross don't eat them, do they? No, they don't. They only eat really things out at sea, like flying fish eggs and squid. So yeah, so they're not going to go after the mice. If they had adapted to that, it might have been great. But right. unfortunately, <laughs> there were rats and mice on the island. Mm-hmm. The the rats were extirpated in the nineties. Right. Yes, in ninety six. Uh, yep. And I imagine that that was a little easier to do than the mice because. I would imagine the mice breed a little faster, and they're smaller. They're harder to uh, contain. Right. Yeah. It's a it's a really good question, um, and I think it's it's something we're still trying to figure out. Why are mouse eradications trickier to do? I mean, rats have been studied very well, and eradications for rats tend to succeed at much higher rates. But yeah, mice are well, are, except in a city like Chicago, right? Yeah, or New they're York. they're yeah. all over. Um, yeah. But yeah, mice have different feeding habits. Um, they can behave differently if there's other rodents around, like mm-hmm. rats. They might suppress mice to an extent. Um, but yeah, they're they're very different mm-hmm. creatures. So and well, then like, suddenly, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, they something changed. Right, something, changed. They, something got weird, and they started attacking the albatross. Right, yeah. So back in the winter of 2015, uh, we had volunteers on Midway, and they started to see something really disturbing. Where we had um, albatross that had these really big bloody wounds on their neck, like mm-hmm. it looked like they had gotten scalped. And the first thing Fish and Wildlife Service thought was maybe you know a rat had gotten off of a ship or something and was just having a field day out there. Yeah, and so. They put out game cameras to try to figure out what was going on, um, and then what they found at you know, like at night is there would be these swarms of mice that would come out and just climb onto the backs of these albatross, which were their adult albatross. They're nesting, so they're sitting on their egg, and so they're not going to move. I mean, they're they're very dedicated to their nests. They only lay one egg a year. They're not going to get up and leave that egg. Mm-hmm. So these albatross were just getting covered with these mice, and these mice were just chewing, you know, through their back and stuff. And then, Yikes. yeah, so it was really and and, and and the albatross didn't know how to respond because they're not used to this kind of a predator. Right, yeah, albatross have, well, you know, largely evolved in isolation without any kind of mammalian predator, so they're... Do they have any any other kinds of predators? Um, Not really, like, on Midway necessarily. Like, you know, at sea where they're foraging, there may be things that go after them, but, you know, mm-hmm. on land, it's... That's the reason why they go to islands. You know, they're, right. they're safe and, breeding places. An octopus tentacle comes up on the ocean <laughs> and, and yeah. grabs an albatross. No. but so Sharks, you know, like that's well, yeah, an maybe. issue. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but or these mice were a problem. Birds right. of prey maybe in some places. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes um, they, they haven't really gone after, after albatross, but like on other islands, sometimes you'll get like a peregrine falcon or an owl that will just get blown out mm. or somehow end up on these islands. And then they'll definitely go after some seabirds, some smaller seabirds. But yeah, they're big birds, so it's so you have this problem all yeah. of a sudden with the mice. And what did you do? 
So, I mean, at first we thought perhaps this was some kind of a weird fluke. Like maybe it was a really dry winter. There wasn't enough food for mice. So they Mm -hmm. switched their diet to albatross. Um, But then the following winter when I was there, we saw the same thing happen again, except it was much more widespread. And Mm. the attacks were all over um, Sand Island where the mice are. So we put out a low-grade rodenticide uh, called Agrid-3. And that really actually helped keep the mice at bay. It's like an organic-based, pretty safe rodenticide. Um, So that's kind of been like a Band-Aid solution that we've been Mm -hmm. using to just keep these mouse attacks at bay until we're able to do the full eradication, which will be hopefully next summer. Uh, and is that that will be a different product, I assume? Yes. So that's a different product. It's what they use in general for rat or mouse eradications. It's something called brodificum. Um, and we're actually pretty, you know, um, familiar with it in our day-to-day lives because it's very similar to warfarin. So it's like a blood thinner that you might take if you have heart disease or, or heart problems. Coumadin is a blood thinner that, right. that I think has been used on rodents. Yeah. So yeah, brodificum is kind of like this new, the newer okay. version that yeah. they're, that they tend to use for eradications that works pretty well. Yeah. So how are they going to apply that? So they do it by helicopter actually. Um, I mean, Holy even, smoke. yeah. So even though Sand Island is pretty small and you could feasibly do it by hand, a helicopter just ensures you have even coverage. So we use helicopters and then some people will be putting out bait by hand, mm-hmm. um, like around buildings and buildings, um, where, you know, we can't have a helicopter necessarily dropping bait. <laughs> and do you think you can eradicate the mice? I, I'm very hopeful that we can. Um, I think we've got I mean, to... you really have to get rid of all of them. Yeah, that. that's the big thing. And then like... you have to make sure you don't reintroduce <clears throat> any of yeah, them. Yeah, so biosecurity is very important for, you know, islands in general. But especially once you do an eradication, you you don't want to have, you know, that species come back again. Um, yeah. Because it's a, it's a big investment of time, energy, mm-hmm. and money to really get rid of them. So... It's tough. And, you know, it's not a fun thing either. It's not a joy to think about, like, how to get rid of mice. Right. Um, yeah. But it is important, like, when we look at the larger scale of ensuring that this refuge remains robust into the future, um, that we do take care of these. Invasions. Well, we messed, so, messed it up and now we got to fix yeah. it. Exactly. You know? yes. And is Fish and Wildlife Service doing the eradication or are there other groups involved? Yeah. So it's it a Fish and Wildlife Service and Island Conservation mm-hmm. are doing this together. Um, island Conservation tends like that's kind of their MO. Um, they do eradications all around the world okay. to help restore islands. So they're working together on this project. And they're doing a fundraiser still. They are, yes. So there's a big albatross campaign going on. So if you go to noextinctions.org, you can adopt an albatross and you can help donate to the cause. Uh, albatross! Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, any other website you want folks to know about? Because we have like 30 seconds. Right? Um, so definitely check out, check out noextinctions.org. That's probably the best place to go mm-hmm. for updates on Midway information. Well, um, and you can go to my website too because yes, I've got please, links to yes, all those um, websites that you've been involved yes. with. Uh, your blog. And, yes, and your blog. blog. You should read uh, Vitika's uh, blog. It's just uh, wonderful stuff. So Vitike, uh, Vitiki, Vit- <laughs> no, I can't even say it. Vitika. There you go. Vitika. Perfect. Vitika Holt Heitzen. Okay. Help me. Uh, thank you so much for well, being on you. the show. Thank you. It's been we, an we, honor. We really appreciate it. It's been a joy. It. Thank oh. you. Thank you. And good luck with the eradication. Thank you. We'll keep you posted. Albatross. We'll be right back. <laughs> Did you know it can take up to three liters of water to produce just one liter of bottled water? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Over 22 billion water bottles end up in landfills each year, and far too many end up in our oceans and waterways. According to the Environmental Working Group, about 40% of bottled water is actually regular tap water that may or may not have gotten any additional treatment. 
They also confirmed there was at least 38 different low-level contaminants in bottled water and an average of eight chemicals. So ditch the plastic water bottles, folks. Choose to filter water and use reusable bottles for your own health and to reduce plastic waste in landfills. I'm Green Diva Meg. Please visit thegreendivas.com to find useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. And now, for something completely different for the season, the Frozen Robins. Oh, holy night. Late December, back in 1 BC. T'was the night of the nativity. What a baby, what a night. Talented, funny, unique, the Frozen Robins are Chicago's number one caroling group. Exquisite harmonies, madcap improvisation, holiday sketches and characters, even a 10-minute version of It's a Wonderful Life. They are definitely not your mother's carolers. Go to frozenrobins.com or contact me, Mike, at MikeNovak.net. Because I'm not just a fan of the Frozen Robins, I are one. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And <laughs> if you were just listening to the uh, commercial about Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, well, good luck with that because uh, they went out of business about I have an old six- copy I could mail you. Yeah, you could. I've got some in my garage that I can give them uh, away to people. Hey, let's go to the phone line. Um, I found out uh, about a week ago uh, about an organization on the south side of Chicago, the Chicago Eco House. And um, they're doing a fundraiser, and Kathleen found out about this and was telling me about it because it sounds like they're doing some really, really cool things. And she she got to the Kickstarter uh, and then said to me, hey, they're having problems getting po- their uh, Kickstarter posted on Facebook. And I went, huh? What's that all about? And because it sounded like a, a really good deal. So let's let's go to those folks from uh, Chicago Eco House, Keelan Blackwell and David Benoit. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Hi. How you doing? Okay. Uh, are you guys in the same room or in different rooms here? We're in the same room. So you're sharing the phone. Is that it? That's correct. Okay, good. Because you never know when when people are different rooms, you never know who's gonna who's gonna jump in and, and answer a question. Uh, Keelan, you and I talked the other day. You're the president and founder of Chicago Eco House. Tell me what that is all about. Yeah, so the Chicago Eco House has a mission of using sustainability to alleviate poverty, and we do that by uh, converting vacant lots on the south and west sides of Chicago into off grid uh, regenerative agricultural flower farms that create jobs for. Uh, some at-risk youth, uh, and we have four farms right now in uh, Inglewood, West Woodlawn, as well as uh, West Garfield Park on the west side of Chicago. One of the first things you do not think of when you think of Chicago is uh, flower farms. <laughs> um, that is absolutely right. <laughs> and, 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 and to be blunt, is that kind of why you did it? Yeah, so we actually kind of fell into it. Um, so when we started back in 2014, we were doing more of a conventional school garden. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we were really looking for a cash crop that would make sense for the Chicago market. 
Um, so we looked at like, a variety of different foods and, you know, sort of found that uh, the economic realities were uh, necessarily suitable for, you know, our situation. So, you know, after a lot of research, we landed on cut flowers and, you know, we uh, discovered that the industry is about 80% of the flowers come from overseas and there's actually a lot of space within the domestic market for local flower producers. Mm-hmm. And Chicago is one of the top hubs for people purchasing flowers. When you think about, you know, like all the events, the hotels, you know, weddings, quinceaneras, like people are buying flowers all the time in the city of Chicago. So it just sort of made sense for our context and really trying to create jobs for young people on the southwest side of Chicago. And I understand, David Benoit, you are the grower for this uh, operation? Yeah, that's right. I came on uh, the team a little over a year ago, and I have uh, just a background in regenerative ag design. Um, and I, I just, you know, saw some opportunities and really was el- able to help the organization kind of go to the next level. Um, pr- prior to me coming onto staff, we were leasing to flower farmers. Um, we had a little bit more of a hands-off approach as an organization. Um, we didn't have a lot of the uh, skills in-house, but since I've been able to come on, I've been training some youth, training some staff, um, just trying to, you know, diversify our offerings and really teach people the skills that they could, you know, stay with us, work with us, or even go on and start their own flower farm. I, yeah, and as I mentioned before, this is not California. Uh, how, <laughs> <laughs> how successful have you been at uh, growing flowers uh, on the south side of Chicago, David? Um, honestly, you know, like seasonal and local produce is like super popular, um, super in right now. And flowers are, are the same. There are actually um, the like local flower movement is really, really booming um, because there are a ton of flowers that uh, do not ship well. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the fact that the average food mile in America is 1,500 miles. Um, well, it's actually worse for flowers. It's usually 3,000 miles because wow. most of the flowers are, are grown um, in Central America mm-hmm. and South America, and they're shipped and they're flown in. And so most florists, you know, they're getting, they're getting a lower quality product because it's traveling so long. And also there are many varieties of flowers that just don't ship well. And so we have the ability to fit into the market that way mm-hmm. um, and growing flowers that, um, that are fresh, that they're local, they you know they're they're sustainable because they haven't had to travel as far. Um, so it's actually it's it's pretty win. It's, it's a good thing. And Keelan, uh, you, this is an opportunity for you to train at-risk youth, uh, not only how to grow, yep, not only how to grow, but to be entrepreneurs, right? Yep, that is absolutely right. Um, yeah, so for us, like we look at flowers as a way to really rebuild the industry and the inner city of Chicago. Um, so, you know, if you guys are a bit of Napa Valley, you see like the vineyards and how that, you know, how wine grapes really support, you know, that entire sector mm-hmm. in Napa Valley. So we have a similar vision for Chicago. We really think cut flowers could really support the inner city and replace a lot of the jobs that have been lost over the years, you know, to, uh, you know, outsourcing and that kind of thing. Um, so it's a great way for, you know, young people to not only get into flowers as a job, but to become entrepreneurs, because there's a lot of related enterprises that we can stack onto flowers. So, for example, this year we rolled out, you know, our beekeeping operation, where we have our first, you know, raw honey product available in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so <clears throat> flowers is you know, makes sense both economically, but also ecologically 
uh, within, you know, our context here in Chicago. All right. We've got less than two minutes here. Uh, I want you, uh, Keelan, uh, to tell me uh, what happened with your Kickstarter. You you launched a Kickstarter but had some issues with Facebook, I understand. Oh, yeah, that's totally correct. Yeah, so we were doing a Kickstarter to really try to raise money for our florist side of Eco House. And, uh, you know, Kickstarter is one of those platforms where it's uh, all or nothing. So if you don't hit your goal, then you don't get anything. Um, and, you know, we basically pull out our resources into our social media campaign. So we're really trying to promote and get the word out on Facebook and Instagram. And then one day, you know, we're uh, going on her Facebook and all of our posts related to the Kickstarter were deleted um, with no notice, no notification, nothing. Um, you know, so we're scrambling and, you know, like we're in these situations. The first thing that comes to your mind is, well, what did I do wrong? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so we're like scrambling. We're trying to, you know, figure out like, was there something we posted incorrectly? Like the link wasn't, we work on Instagram. Um, and we, you know, and you know, really Mike, you, you know, you saved us on Friday. <laughs> um, like after like seven to 10 days of, uh, you know, I was trying to figure it out. And then you posted, you know, we had a call and you posted not the direct link, but a link to like the search. And it worked, um, even though the direct link didn't work. And, you know, like it said something about it being in violation of community guidelines. And wow. it's just really frustrating just because, uh, you know, when you try to, like, launch these kind of initiatives, um, you don't got a lot of resources to begin with. So um, to have Facebook really just cut us at the knees just really hurt us. Well, uh, I want folks to go to Kickstarter, look for Southside Blooms, go to my Facebook page, and we'll find the link. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show, and good luck to you. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe, author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good Welcome food back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, we were talking to Keelan and David, uh, those of you listening on Facebook Live, which is causing Peggy no small... Well, you know, this, if, for people morning. who like to read very long, long words... They won't let you use a space bar. Yeah, so you can read an entire sentence as that one word. That is just so And I weird. rebooted. It's and I blame Mark Zuckerberg problem. personally for that. I don't know what he's up to, but uh, he I think he 
Heat gets up early, listens to our show, and then just messes goes, with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't wait till Bill Gates starts doing that when I start criticizing him about being a billionaire and not that. wanting to be taxed about it. But uh, anyway, we were talking to uh, uh, Keelan and David, and we're going to have them on the show. They're going to come into the studio because we just didn't have enough time during that segment. It was uh, it was all I could do to squeeze them into that segment at the end of the first hour. They have quite the story. Yes. Yeah, it's a great. Uh, Terrific organization. Our friend Mac uh, wrote on Facebook uh, how how great it sounds. And uh, her, her space bar works. Mine doesn't. Uh, I don't know why yours does. I think you're. It, maybe it is Bill Gates. No, it, you have an Apple, don't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, it isn't Bill Gates then. Yeah, or it maybe, is. Uh, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Oh well. Anyway. Um, we uh, are very excited uh, to have a friend, longtime friend of the show, um, Lisa Albrecht, who's going to be on uh, after the break. And we're going to talk solar energy and clean energy. We haven't done that in a while. Not a lot of gardening on this show today, but that's okay. We're talking environmental stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of environmental stuff, um, on Tuesday evening, I'm going to be um, at a gathering, the Greening of North Center. Uh, at the Risel Community Center, that's 1332 West Irving Park in Chicago. Um, the uh, NNA Environmental Committee for, uh, is, is having a forum. On, uh, we're going to discuss the Illinois Clean Energy Jobs Act, which is something we're going to discuss in the next segment as well. Uh, we're going to talk about Chicago recycling, and we're going to talk about a group called the Waste Shed. Um, and uh, State Representative Ann Williams will be there because she's one of the sponsors of the Illinois Clean Energy Jobs Act. Um, and I'm going to be there. And, and, and the thing that was in the paper about it said uh, Radio Host and Chicago Recycling Coalition. Well, I'm not with the Chicago Recycling Coalition anymore, but I still have an interest, uh, obviously. And I just saw mm-hmm. an article came across yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah, I think about, I know the one you're talking about. About how we're at 8.8% percent recycling in the city of Chicago. And I don't even know how they know that because there's been no numbers Mm -hmm. from the city since July of 2018. Um, So, um, yeah, I'm going to whoop the city of Chicago upside the head with a rolled Mm -hmm. up newspaper uh, a little bit. Um, But we'll be talking that. And then uh, Eleanor Ray, executive director of the Waste Shed, will be there. And they're they're a lot like scarce. They do the recycling, some of some of the same things Mm -hmm. and and I think some different things, too. Um, uh, But I believe they're in the city of Chicago. So that's at the Risel Community Center, uh, 1332 West Irving Park Road from 7 to 9 p.m. It's a panel and a discussion. If you're interested in the Illinois Clean Energy Jobs Act, Chicago Recycling, or what's going on with the waste shed, uh, stop by uh, because it's free um, and uh, I will be there. Cool. And then really, really quick because we have 23 seconds. Um, Tomorrow, November 18th is Piping Plover Day in the state of Illinois. Uh, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker has declared that. There's a whole bunch of events going on for Monty and Rose. So go to www.montyandrose.net and you can see all those events. www.montyandrose.net. You got to love it. Yay for the piping plovers. All right. When we come back, Lisa Albrecht returns to the show talking solar, talking clean energy. I'm really looking forward to this. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back.
That's not just a tree in your yard. It's an investment. It's a windbreak. It's a natural work of art. It's part of the family, which is why you want Bartlett tree experts to care for your trees. Now is a great time to go to Bartlett.com and see what they can do for you. Did you know that winter's a prime time to have your trees pruned? One of the reasons is that without leaves, the structure of the tree is easier to evaluate. Also, it's a great time to inspect your trees for any visibly hazardous conditions or structural issues. It's also easier now to work around a garden when the ground is frozen. Even during the growing season, Bartlett utilizes the most effective and environmentally sensitive methods to control tree pests, such as beneficial insects to manage the bad insects. And did we mention that Bartlett is the industry leader in safety? Whether it's a small residential project or a major commercial renovation, contact an arborist representative at Bartlett and get a free estimate because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Illinois has become a national leader in solar energy installation, and right now you can save 60 to 70% on installation costs. You want it for your home or business, but you don't know where to start. So give our friends at Albright Solar a call. Albright Solar offers a boutique, hands-on approach to your situation. They know the ins and outs of local solutions, and we've worked with them for a decade. They're good people, and they know their stuff. Go to albright.solar or call 773-887-6446. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. And of course, that's Eco Elvis. Uh, 
I was looking for one that uh, had to do with solar energy. He doesn't have one, but that's close enough. And, that and, works. It, and it's kind of uh, your story there, Lisa Albrecht. Um, just quit working for the man. Go out and go do, on, start your own thing. Start your own start thing. Start your own thing. Yeah, and she did. Start and, your own woman-owned company. Exactly. Full disclosure, uh, uh, All Bright Solar is a proud sponsor of the Mike Novak Show, and Lisa Albrecht is the person behind All Bright I'm Solar. I'm the Albrecht behind All Bright, but I'm bummed. All right, there we go. Uh, it's a spelling thing for our listeners. <laughs> yeah, well, tell tell us just a little bit about uh, your, your organization. Yeah, your well, company. so I've been in the industry here in Illinois for 13 years, which is remarkable uh, that I could actually have a kid in high school if I had started, like if they were <laughs> that old. Um, but uh, the uh, last couple of years, a lot has been changing. We passed the Future Energy Jobs Act in 2016, which we'll talk a little bit about. Yep. And I decided, um, you know, as the market was changing, um, why not uh, do my own thing? There's a mm-hmm. lot of new players coming to town. And I just really wanted to make sure that there were good companies out there that offered the opportunity to sell or to own. Um, so a lot of the new players in the market are doing what's called a PPA or at least a power purchase agreement. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make sure that homeowners wanted who wanted to own their own power, they own their house, they own their car, why not own their energy as well? And so I broke out on my own in 2018 and started Albright Solar and it's been it's been a ride. It's been uh, a lot I of fun. It, yeah. I have learned a ton <laughs> about entrepreneurship. Uh, growing a business, uh, cash flow management, all of it's been, you know, a lot mm-hmm. managing vendors, that types of thing. But I really love my customers and I like being able to give that kind of boutique uh, customer service that I think is sometimes lacking in a rapidly growing market. And if folks want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Lisa at Albright, and that's properly spelled A L L B R I G H T. And here's the tricky part it's dot solar, S O L A R. Cute, right? That is. Yeah. Uh, and how long has Dot Solar been out there? I don't know. The 19 year old who was on the phone with me when I set up my website, we were looking at dot coms, <laughs> dot orgs, dot nets, and they were all super expensive. And then he's like, hey, how about Dot Solar? And I'm like, unique. That is me. Absolutely. That's so, great. Yeah, I don't know anybody I, else who's a Dot Solar right now. I want Perfect. a Dot Green. And then I would have Go for it. Mike, it's probably Mike no- out there. I bet Mike Novak at Dot Green would be uh, kind of cool. Uh, so, all right. Well, l- let's, let's just kind of dive in here. You mentioned um, the, uh, the Jobs Act that got passed uh, in 2016, I believe. Correct. December 2016, during the veto session, which we're currently in in Mm -hmm. Illinois. Mm -hmm. So we have our regular legislation that ends uh, May 31st every year. And then anything we didn't get done, we revisit around Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, And so we passed that legislation in 2016. Uh, It it was a mixed emotion. You know, there was Mm -hmm. a lot in it that people were excited about, a lot, you know, things. But, you know, legislation legislation requires compromise. And 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 that bill was definitely a piece of that. And we're very proud of it. The Future Energy Jobs Act is what was sometimes... Fija. Fija. It should be Fija, I imagine, but uh, I don't know. I don't know the proper pronunciation. (laughs) Future Energy Jobs Act. But it's always confusing with that future in it. Yes, exactly. And now it's, so now that it's enacted, um, it took a while. It took almost two years. Mm -hmm. So the program actually launched in January of this year. And the um, the premise behind it was that we had many broken pieces of legislation prior to mm-hmm. 2016. This bill cleaned that up. And it really the goal is to create a revolving door of solar incentives so mm-hmm. that we didn't have the start stop issues that we had 
in the past where monies would run out. There was a lot of uncertainty. Funds would be awarded in October, but projects needed to be installed before May. So here we are in the Midwest doing all of our installation work during the winter. It was nonsensical. And it was not a market that anybody wanted to be in. And so by creating... And was that a a common throughout the United States? Not necessarily. You know, so so energy is definitely not only a state-by-state issue, but even, you know, here in Illinois, we've got, you know, two, three public utilities. um, And so it really even dives down deeper into the public utility when it comes to policy and enactment and then the municipality level when you look at building permits and that type of thing. So it can become really complex um, and so the state incentive is a big driver. Um, we have the federal tax credit, which is 30 percent this year. It is sliding to 26 percent next year. Um, but there is pending legislation in Washington, D.C. to extend that for another five years. I'm that's actually a federal, that's a federal that is a federal program. It is yeah. on your federal and, taxes. And that's so. strictly for solar or all renewables? It is. It is um, all renewables. Okay. Um, but not many people are really installing wind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't necessarily have residential wind or anything. So most of the time it's going to be a solar project. Um, but I am optimistic that maybe this is something that they could pass before they come home with all the bad news that uh, both sides of the chamber are coming home with. Maybe they'll want some good news. And solar is something that they all agree on. However... However, uh, however, but uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, as you said, it, it started this year and parts of it are already running out of money. Well, so that is the state program. So the I was referring pro- to okay, the federal program. Referring, yep, so was, so yep, let's, I'm yeah, going so back. it's, there's many, wow, there's many lanes I'm you going can travel back to in the on future, solar. So yeah. if we stick to um, the Future Energy Jobs Act, um, it's called the Renewable Energy Credit or the Illinois Shines program, if people mm-hmm. wanted to look that up online. And essentially, it's the clean attributes of your of your array. So it's not the energy itself, but the fact that you have become a micro-utility and the electrons you are producing on your roof are cleaner than most. Um, we carved that bucket into four sections. Um, 25% was going to go purely for residential. We wanted to make sure that the residential market did not get gobbled up because of the other players. We put 25% for commercial projects. That would be anything over 25 kilowatts in size. So our definition was pretty broad, but that's all the way up to two megawatts, which is something the size of, so basically on top of one IKEA, you can get about a megawatt. Mm -hmm. I think the largest system that's on a rooftop right now is about 3.3 megawatts. So it's thousands of panels. Um, And then we put 25% for something called community solar. Community solar is an opportunity for those who might be living in a multifamily housing project or they might be renters or perhaps like in Evanston, they have too many trees in their neighborhood. You know, here we have Mike's house house, where it's pointed in all the wrong directions. Which has trees. So, you know, so so community solar. But in 1880, they weren't thinking about solar panels. Uh, And your trees are doing a great job of keeping your energy bills down mm -hmm. by keeping you cool. And it's also a carbon sink. You know how cold my house. Well, and well, actually, but you know what? We're working on that. Uh, Ron Calgill yes. uh, is, is bringing his company, uh, DR Services. Oh, uh, that gets another ding. Um, and they're going to put in insulation mm-hmm. in my balloon frame home. And I, wow. I could not be happier about That's that. Exciting. That's you're, you're going to be shooting video of that, right? We're going to be shooting video. Cool. I'm going to be on Mighty House on the 30th of That's this exciting. month to talk about that and how that's mm-hmm. all going to play out. In fact, we're meeting tomorrow with the, and it's, and it's part of the city grant, which oh, is great. cool. Yeah. Yes. So uh, this yeah. is all very interesting, but it's, it's off the top. And, and I That's do have okay. a quick question too. Yes. When you say 
And we are allocating for residential, and we who is we? Oh, so I mean the Illinois Shines program. So okay. I guess I maybe shouldn't use we so much. Um, I, I did help pass the legislation and helped mm-hmm. um, in the comment periods and things like that as they shaped it, and they were looking for input from people in the market. Um, so they weren't launching a program in a vacuum. You know, so I guess uh, I use the uh, we, uh, meaning uh, Illinois yeah. Solar Energy Association, okay. which is the overarching nonprofit um, that works diligently to advance and that renewable you have energy. Been a part of. And I have been on the board of board directors member. with a brief breakup. Uh, 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 I, I paused briefly, but I basically since 2008. Yeah. And is Illinois Shines then part of the Illinois state government or is it a separate organization? So it's a separate organization that is that has an overarching arm through the Illinois Power Agency, which is the group that buys all of our power. Okay. But they basically mandate that the public utilities need to invest in solar energy. So instead of buying actual solar panels, what they're doing is they're investing in homeowners and businesses who are putting these panels on their rooftops or on the ground. Um, and so I was mentioning that we had, you know, we had we had four buckets, 25 mm-hmm. percent residential, commercial, community solar. And then because we learned in the past that we didn't know everything, we could not predict the future. So we put 25 percent of we just don't know. And that money has already wow. been allocated because community solar, we had over 800 applications, only enough funding for 100 of those. So that's a huge shame because there's 700 projects that are probably on a farmland somewhere where those dollars could go to the local school, where it would be helping. You know, I think some of the big news right now is the amount of bankruptcies that are happening all across the country from the trade mm-hmm. war. Um, that would actually shore up some of those family farms if they were actually able to lease some of their land either to solar or wind property uh. and continue to have known income that doesn't have the variability of trade markets, of weather, of all the storms that we experienced. So you're, in this you're saying these these farms is a place to put um, a solar a, a solar array um, in, instead of a crop. Exactly, exactly. And then you've got and then you actually allow the farmer to continue farming because he's got this um, residual stream of income. My aunt and uncle are dairy farmers in Minnesota, and they're desperately are seeking wind to put on their property because they're mm-hmm. not they don't want to retire and they don't want their farm gobbled up. So, so it's a community got, solar is an amazing thing. Yeah. Now, when you do a little comparison between wind and solar, is one more profitable than the other at the moment? For the farmer or for whom? Uh, for the farmer. Uh, for You know what? I actually do not know. I would imagine that the solar probably is just because it's more land allocated. Uh-huh. So you're going to have a bigger footprint. And there's been a lot of, um, and this is advantages. totally not at all things that we've prepped to talk about, but some of the cool things about it. You should it, know that by now. I know. We always go on tangents, which I love. So one of the cool, uh, one of, there's a couple things that are really amazing about community solar. One is it puts solar in the reach of hands of people who can't necessarily put it in their mm-hmm. on their own homes. Um, two is that we actually have required that um, that those developers must plant pollinators under and around the array. Mm. So I'm not filling it with gravel. I'm actually putting pollinating cool. plants that will not grow taller than the solar panels because, of course, I want to make sure that I can get sun <laughs> to them. But you're actually creating enormous corridors mm-hmm. through developed land. And three, and a lot of people, because we do get a lot of pushback in communities who are like, you know what, I don't want to look at it, but this is land that's not going to be have Roundup poured all over it. It's not going to have pesticides or herbicides. It's not going to be tilled. The land's going to sit and be stagnant. So you're not necessarily going to have some of the dust issues, some of the, you know, some Mm -hmm. of the other things that you might experience within agricultural communities. So there's a lot of great benefit for having solar near your home. And talking about community solar, and forgive me if we already said this, but I want to make it clear that 
you can purchase some of that power from Community Solar. Correct. We None of them are built yet. So um, we actually had this huge tidal wave of interest um, in February, March. Um, projects were selected. They're all currently undergoing all of the eco studies and, and the interconnection requirements in order mm-hmm. to get those built. Um, they do need to be built within 18 months. And so people will start seeing, and if you go to IllinoisSolar.org, you can sign up for our news, the free newsletter. Um, but you will be able to subscribe and there will probably be a variety of different business models for how you can subscribe. So as if energy wasn't complicated enough between picking an alternate supplier or competitor Ugh, to yeah. ComEd, now you can have the added joy of trying to figure out and navigate yeah. how to sign up for your community solar programs as well. But this is you're actually getting an offset. You're not having solar energy delivered right. to your house. The electron, it's in the grid. Correct. The electrons are not coming to your to your home directly. Your energy supplier or whoever creates your bill will give you a bill credit through something called virtual net metering. So people like me who can't put solar on there. You could subscribe to right. a solar array. But there are other things out there already, uh, alternative energy suppliers uh, that claim to have uh, bought into solar farms and that sort of thing and wind farms. Right. Um, I've encountered those. You and I talked the other day mm-hmm. about that, and I've encountered some bad actors as well. Um, one of the things that the state did, how long ago was it they allowed alternative suppliers? Uh, uh, we deregulated, what was that, maybe 2007? Yeah. And then what happened the is is it became very complicated for a lot of people because now you don't have to buy your power from ComEd or Ameren or People's Gas. You can go to a supplier. And the problem is sometimes those prices are higher and sometimes they don't tell you. And sometimes you got you get stuck. And I'm, I've got my hand or in the changes. air because I got abused by one of those. Right. Um, and um, it's 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 really, really tricky. So we haven't even gotten into how we're going to fix the uh, where or the problem or the fix or the we fix. We haven't talked about. But <laughs> I mean, we're, we could go on for hours and we've got a couple of guys on the phone we want to get to really quick. So. Uh, there's just too much going on. That's Lisa Albrecht from Albright Solar. Uh, go to albrightsolar. No, Albright. Albright.solar. Dot solar. All right. It's the website. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. This is Mike Novak. The song says it's the most wonderful time of the year, unless you're homeless. And I'm Bill Turk. It's hard to know what to do, but you can design a care kit for people in need, something that will do some good in the short run. And I'm Peggy Malecki. The number one item people need is good socks, high quality wool or thermal. Hats, gloves and scarves are also important, along with hygiene products like deodorant, body wash, toothbrushes and toothpaste, band-aids, lip balm, wet wipes, even nail clippers. Food products can include high-protein snacks, easy-to-open tuna, crackers and peanut butter, applesauce, granola bar, or fruit rolls. And I put everything in a one-gallon Ziploc bag. And if you can, make a connection, offer a smile, or even your first name. And don't forget to include some feminine products, too. You're not changing the world. Just making one person's world a little better for a little while. And now, for something completely different for the season, the Frozen Robins! Oh, holy night! Late December, back in 1 B.C. T'was the night of the nativity. What a baby, what a night! Talented, funny, unique, the Frozen Robins are Chicago's number one caroling group. 
exquisite harmonies, madcap improvisation, holiday sketches and characters, even a 10-minute version of It's a Wonderful Life. They are definitely not your mother's carolers. Go to FrozenRobins.com or contact me, Mike, at MikeNovak.net. Because I'm not just a fan of the Frozen Robins, I are one. Yeah! <laughs> uh, and if you're talking power, you got to play Powerhouse. From Carl Stalling, but as we found out earlier in the year, it's uh, it's a it's a real song. I could find that too. Maybe I'll play that version later. <laughs> we'll just play this one out. All right, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show <laughs> with Peggy Malecki. We have uh, Lisa Albrecht in the studio, and it's really hard not to say Lisa Albright. You know, it's it just my my grandmother says Albright. So it's really? fine to say Albright. Yep, and that's why I named my company. My company is actually a name after her, but I spelled it Albrecht, which is how my dad pronounces our name. Uh-huh. But I spelled the company Albright, which is the phonetic pronunciation that my grandmother used. So. Ah. And it goes great with the solar company. Yeah, name. right? I was, it was serendipitous. Okay. So uh, let's, let's, we've got so little time to do this. We've got we like 10, focus. 10 minutes. So really focus. focus. All right. What's the problem? How do we fix yes. it in Illinois? So the problem is we had way more community community solar projects than we could fund. We also uh, reached a cliff with commercial projects, so those projects over two megawatts. Um, we, as I mentioned, we had twenty five percent funding. We had a fourth bucket that we didn't know. We actually allocated that to the commercial projects because that will continue the jobs growth. Which, by the way, I would like to brag that the state of Illinois is actually second in job growth creation because of this legislation. We were sol- lagging. Sol- solar job cro- growth. Correct. Okay. Yes. All right. There you go. Uh, because of this legislation, we said we would bring jobs and we brought them in mass. Now we want to make sure that those jobs don't go away. So unfortunately, because there's been so much interest, we've actually spent dollars that we thought we would have a few years to run this program as well as collecting the funding through through the mechanisms with the utilities and things like that. But we actually had more growth than we expected, and now we've broken it. So we need the path to 100 in order to do some legislative fixes. What's you know, the path to 100? Path to 100 is the industry bill, so the solar industry. Um, and we're also working with the wind industry to create solutions for the problems that we see at hand. Um, there, is, there are other pieces of legislation, community energy or uh, uh, the Clean Energy Jobs Act. They are not in competition, but actually are, you know, good, both good bills. Mm-hmm. But our bill is very specifically focused to fix the Future Energy Jobs Act. So we as the industry know the levers and buttons that need to be pushed in order to make sure that growth continues here in Illinois. And from what I understand, there's going to be like a donut hole where the money runs out and then we wouldn't be able to get it till like 2025 or something Correct. like that. Yeah. So the agency that runs this, the Illinois Power Agency, actually um, uh, did uh, revise their plan this year. They're supposed to revise it every two years. This was a year for revision. And they have said that we don't, we won't be, able, until we fix this, there won't be any new funding until 2025. So without this fix, which any big piece of legislation cannot stand on its own without tweaks, right? So we we put it out there, whether it's the Affordable Care Act, whether it's 
solar or whether it, it's a hospital bill. Mm -hmm. They all launch and then the real world bumps them around and you figure out where you need to tweak and change things. And that's what the Path to 100 does. Um, and folks can look for more information if they type in Path to, that's T-O, 100 using the numeral. So and, Path and to 100.net. To get okay. more information and you go to my website. I've got the link uh, yes. in the blog post uh, for today. Uh, but that's not going to happen this year. Well, so we're out of veto session. Right. Uh, so it didn't happen. We're hopeful that, you know, something could happen in early January. Um, unfortunately, you know, uh, Springfield's a busy place. Yeah. Uh, and so we need to make sure that we're floating above the fray. Uh, and but you that, would think that, it, that, that, that they would want to capitalize on this wonderful law they passed that brought in all these jobs and let's let's finish the job. Exactly, here. exactly. So, and that's the that's what the industry has been doing is just educating the um, both chambers as well as leadership within the governor's office to explain that this. When we first started raising alarms back in February, people thought that we were just claiming that the sky yeah. was falling yeah. and now to actually have the agency that manages the program to say hey the sky is falling yeah. look they were right hey there's a problem right there's a problem here so we saw it so because we all know what types of projects are sitting in our queue mm -hmm. getting developed you know so all of these things take time we also can see what's happening with the utility and how things are getting processed and so what the because we have this funding cliff we need to go back and change a few things. All right. This is time to bring in a couple of guys uh, who are going to be in Chicago tomorrow. They're they're more or less local from uh, Indiana, uh, and that's Ty and Brock Benefiel. Hey, you guys with us? We're here. Yeah. Okay, great. You've been Good morning. I, thank you for, for hanging on. I needed yeah. to get a lot of this out of the way. Uh, they um, also have uh, their own podcast called The Climate Pod, a weekly podcast on environmental issues. Hmm, sounds kind of familiar. All right. Anyway, uh, and you can get it on all the usual podcast places. And you guys are coming into town tomorrow to do a benefit for Friends of the Chicago River. Tell us a little bit about that. That's right. So tomorrow at live at Lincoln Hall at 7 p.m., we're going to do a uh, sort of an environmental and climate show. And we also have some great local activists. We also have some great comedians that are going to be on the show. So we have Adam Burke from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Uh, Bacallo's uh, Jill Hopkins is going to be on this show. And from Paper Machete, we have Chad the Bird. So they're all going to be performing live. We have some local activists that are going to talk about uh, issues facing uh, Chicago when it comes to environmental and climate issues. And we also have a live interview with Margaret Frisbee, the executive, executive director of Friends of the Chicago River. And as you mentioned, Mike, this is all a benefit for Friends of the Chicago River. All proceeds go to the Friends of the Chicago River. So if you want to get tickets to, to, to tomorrow night's event, you can go at uh, Lincoln Hall's website. That's lh-st.com. Or you just follow the uh, Climate Pod uh, at Climate Pod on Twitter or Facebook. And uh, if you haven't listened to the podcast yet, we did have a cameo appearance from, from Lisa, actually, when we were out at, at the, climate the, strike. Uh, the Climate March. Yeah, the Climate Strike. I didn't think and, you uh, guys would know that was me. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. We knew oh, you're famous. You actually, I think you, uh, you, I think you, you changed the, uh, the rating on that episode with the great quote that you gave us. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> well, we can't say that because Andrew's got his finger on the trigger here. Uh, so that, that won't happen. I was here. a little wired that day. Uh, Just a little. A little too much coffee, huh? Uh, but also, in addition to this, uh, the Climate Pod, Ty, you've started a, a business. We were talking about alternative suppliers, and that's uh, your business. Do you want to explain that, please? Sure, yes. Yeah. So we just recently launched Hero Power, 
which is an alternative retail electricity supplier. Um, but we are focused on selling only 100% renewable electricity, and we're doing it at the same rate as the ComEd basic electricity service rate. So uh, no longer do residential or small business customers in Chicago have to pay more for uh, clean retail electricity. They can they pay the exact same rate as they're, uh, as they're paying if they were to stay with ComEd. How do you do that? Yeah, so we purchase renewable electricity certificates um, from a wind farm in Iowa, and we match all of our consumers' uh, electricity consumption with those renewable electricity certificates. So our customers know that their money is going to uh, wind power generation rather than uh, coal or natural gas or even nuclear. Yeah, uh, and and I'll tell you, that's that's a welcome change uh, from some of the suppliers that are out there now. As I mentioned earlier on the show, I got burned. I got burned by uh, uh, one that was just, I don't know what they were doing. It wasn't even, I don't even think it was clean power. They were just charging me a lot more. And I said, okay, you're out of here. Goodbye. And I went back to the people's gas rate because it was a people's gas. It was a gas supplier. I said, nope, no more. And then uh, I have another one and uh, and I will even name names. It's Green Mountain Energy. And um, they uh, tell me that they're supplying green energy, clean energy, mm-hmm. but it costs me more. So if I have the choice of taking clean energy uh, at the same cost as what ComEd has, and 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 folks should know, generally, uh, if you get the if you if you buy your power from the utility, you're going to be paying less than than a lot of these suppliers, um, and that was the unintended consequence of this law that you mentioned got passed in like 2006 or so uh, where you had choice but it also became a lot more confusing and and people took advantage of it ty did you want to say something there yeah i mean for us it is very important um, that we offer a transparent price a transparent product and to make clean energy affordable to anyone that uh, is able to pay their electricity bill Um, so we have one single single rate, one single product, that rate is always going to be tied to the ComEd uh, basic electricity service rate. So you always know you're paying the same rate as um, a default ComEd customer. Um, and like I said, we are always going to be transparent in where our, you know, where we are purchasing our retail electricity from. All right. And how can people find out about that? They can go to myheropower.com. That's myheropower.com. Uh, they can learn more about company, about us, and they can switch to 100% renewable electricity uh, in about three clicks, so less than three minutes. It's super easy to do it All online. Right. Well, good luck tomorrow at uh, uh, Lincoln Hall, 2424 North Lincoln Avenue in Chicago. Uh, and um, you can go to Climate Pod Chicago and find out more information. Uh, Lisa, thank you. Stick around for uh, Rick DeMaio. We'll have you uh, maybe chat with him a little bit, too. And Maybe we can talk climate. Yes. Lots of stuff happening this week for climate. <laughs> Allbright.solar if you want to install solar on your home. We'll be right back.
City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center, wants to remove all barriers to your gardening success. How? By providing organic heirloom plants for your kitchen garden, pollinator-friendly natives and annuals, container planting to go. They deliver the plants you put them in. Who does that? Classes for adults and kids, special events, and more. They even have complimentary valet parking on weekends. 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa, citygrange.com. Learn. Shop. Blossom. This is Mark Dvorak, and you're getting environmentalism, gardening, green living, local food information, and sometimes even humor. Sometimes musical humor on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki every Sunday morning from 9 to 11 a.m. on WCGO Radio 1590 and 95.9. Are you looking for a new ride? Ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed away down the highway? Zero to 60 in under three seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2019 Tesla Model X, the award-winning all-electric SUV. But you need to get your tickets soon because only 2,500 will be sold. So how do you win? Go to store.illinoisolar.org. That's store.illinoisolar.org. Buy one raffle ticket for $100 or the four-pack for $300. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. The winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 5, 2019. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible to win, and you don't even need to be present at the drawing to claim your prize. So get your tickets, the rules, and all the other small print details at IllinoisSolar.org today. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Albatross! <laughs> Albatross. Uh, she was great, by the way. Wasn't she wonderful? Yeah, she was so oh, articulate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and if you didn't hear that segment, the, the first hour. You have to go back show, and listen to the podcast. Yeah. BDK. Highly uh, recommended. Uh, Holt Heisen. Uh, and uh, before we get to Rick DeMaio here, we had a couple of things. You just heard about the ISEA raffle. Which is got you've got only two, two weeks left. Two weeks left. So hurry and get your tickets. So you can win a Tesla. It's the it's... 2019 um, hybrid, Ooh. or not the uh, 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 sports utility vehicle. So yeah. it's the nice. Can nice, I choose a color? Nice one. And you it, can. It's Ooh. it is a hundred bucks a ticket, and but it's it's four tickets for three hundred, and there's only twenty five hundred. Your odds are amazing are, to win. I this. mean, to win a Tesla. Yep. So if you got the cash. You know, that's and the money goes back to promoting solar in Illinois. It's such a great cause. Mm -hmm. Huge. Yeah. Uh, And there was another event that you. Yeah. So this week. um, So um, former Vice President Al Gore, after Inconvenient Truth, came up with Climate Reality Project. um, And that is an organization that works hard on public education about climate change and that that it exists, which many people still seem to debate in America. And we're pulling out of the Paris Agreement. 
So uh, there are right? oh boy, isn't that exciting? So he's doing something called Twenty Four Hours of Reality, uh, where there will be um, speakers. So he has worked diligently to train about fifteen thousand people worldwide, including myself and a number of incredible people here in Chicago. We will be doing, I believe, thirty seven presentations in the Chicagoland area, wow. either Wednesday evening through Thursday evening. So that twenty four hour segment. So if you do hashtag twenty four hours on Facebook, you should be able to find. Um, resources or type in climate reality Chicago and you can see uh, and you can see uh, our resources oh, yeah. as There's well for what's going on the, in the Chicagoland area. The homepage just lists. Yeah. So I'm speaking at the Sunset Library, which is 4455 uh, West Lincoln mm-hmm. um, on Thursday at 430 p.m. And then one of my friends will be doing a, another presentation at 7 p.m. Great. Good for you. Let's bring in Rick DeMaio. Uh, I'm sure you're uh, my long lost friend. Rick yeah. DeMaio. Uh, say hi again to Lisa Albrecht, Rick. Hey, Lisa, how are you? Hi, uh, by, by the way, Mike, but to the rest of the um, segment here, in honor of the impeachment, every one of my answers is going to be a yes or a no. <laughs> <laughs> there aren't any I'm not sure, or I don't know. I don't or, recall. Or, or, or I, I don't, don't recall. recall. How about that? I don't recall. I don't There's recall. a good one. I got yeah. it. I got it. Um, or you don't know him. Lisa, you, or I don't know him, yeah. Uh, Lisa, you mentioned the uh, event taking place. You meant 45-something North Lincoln, right? Not West Lincoln? Yes, yes. North Lincoln. Did I say West? You did. Oh, yep. Slip yeah, yeah. yeah, so 4455. So well, it's the Sulzer Library. It goes northwest, so yeah. that's Sulzer Library. Okay, yeah. At that's, the Sulzer Library. Right there, uh, right off of Montrose. Yeah, yes, I love exactly. that library. Yeah, it's a great library. Cool. Um, yeah. So there's a lot going uh, on that, that day. And that's, and that's Monday night? Thursday. November 20th Thursday and 21st, night. yeah. I may I may stop by and hey, that'd be great. And, and yeah, yeah, and make sure make sure there's no one there to disrupt you. I've been to some of these before, uh, and what happens is people troll uh, the Climate Reality Project presenters, and they literally send someone to raise like a really weird, you know, kind of cherry pick. Uh, some sort of odd little fact, uh, and they throw it out there, and they really. No, I, I, I've been at these. Before, oh, I was, I was wildly sabotaged because I did it in Arlington Heights, which is the headquarters of the Heartland Institute. Oh my! And goodness. so I had a swarm of people, and we actually had to have the library security remove them because they were that disruptive. Wow! Would not take them. I was willing to have a conversation, but they were not. And they took the com- they took the microphone and tried to hijack the event. Wow! And who would so expect that had in a to library? Remove them. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't expect that just going to a library. No. Yeah, but you know the data's Boy. out there, and I mean, there's no better expert, uh, you know, in the Chicagoland area than Rick. So, um, no, the info's I don't know out there. The people as well. I just I just seem to voice my opinion a lot more. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I'll tell. And he's, you're not afraid to. And I can remember we went to see Al Gore. Uh, Rick and I at the Chicago Theater, and it was about 10 years ago, and some mm-hmm. somebody stopped Rick outside, and Rick just, you know, almost grabbed him by the lapels <laughs> and said, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll give you some science here, dude. And, and he did. He, he just ta- he talked the guy, and uh, the guy couldn't uh, win the argument against Rick. So that was, I was impressed, Rick. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, speak, hey, speaking of remembering <laughs> things from a few years ago, do you guys remember what this day was like back on 2013? No. Off the top, I know the show. Then uh, we were. What, yeah, what we, was that? We, it, it hasn't popped up in my we, Facebook. Uh, yet. We were. I was still at Progresso <laughs> Radio down the dial. Yeah. yeah. What What was it like? All right, I'll I'll, I'll give you a hint. Um, they had to evacuate Soldier Field in the middle of a football oh, game. Oh, the front came through, and the tornadoes in the area. 
Yeah, that was that was the worst tornado outbreak in the history of the Midwest in the month of November, and we got lucky here in Chicago. Obviously, not down in Central Illinois mm-hmm. where they had that tragic F four tornado move through Washington. Yeah. But you still, you know, you get, you look back at that, and that that tornado was largely over farm fields. You know, then we had the one about a year and a half later that went through Rochelle, and it was like we've had two F four tornadoes, and we've been kind of spared the devastation that other parts of the country. Um, have seen by some of these events. But again, when they happen in the month of November, and now here it is six years later, you know, we're dealing with record cold temperatures and six inches of snow. And Mike and Lisa and Peg, this is what I had to deal with the last two weeks going into Loyola University. Do I use the word climate change or climate variability? If I use climate change, the kids look at me with, with like literally cross eyes and go, you're crazy, Mr. DeMille. But if I use the word climate variability, they all go, check. And that's where we have to go with this. Climate variability is much more of an impact statement than climate change. And we need to continue to go in that direction. And I wish the Democrats would do as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that would be good. Uh, listen, uh, we're going to have a, we're going to run out of time here pretty quickly. I think what what do we got? Uh, yeah. two, two two minutes here. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. All right, Andrew. Yeah. All right. Two minutes. Uh, well, I wanted you to comment for maybe thirty seconds about Venice and what's happening okay. with uh, the uh, the the flooding there. Ah, uh, well, a couple of things. There was a, a strong area, low pressure that kind of moved through that particular area. Uh, we had a tremendous amount of storm surge. I think part of the reason also was, did you guys happen, actually happen to see the full moon this week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So when you have a full moon, obviously your tides are going to be a bit higher. Um, so three things, full moon, rising sea level, strong onshore flow, and then what was what is typically a flooding event that is a hazard bumps up into a disaster, and if it continues to happen over and over again, where now the economy of Venice is affected, it becomes catastrophic. And again, this is where we have to take the narrative. Talk about what's happening on the normal, talk about what's now happening from the abnormal, and then talk about what's happening from the abnormal that's becoming more normal, and what do you have? You have catastrophic events. And when people say that's bad for the economy to do something about it. You know what I say? Flooding and yeah. storm impact is bad for the economy. All right. Uh, we need a quick forecast. Okay. Uh, a little bit of rain today. Cloudy tomorrow. 40s by Tuesday. 50s by Wednesday. Maybe near 60 by Thursday. But overall, nothing in the way of Arctic air coming back at us for the next two weeks. At least yeah. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Sounds great. All right. Thanks, Rick. I want to thank everybody who's on the show today. I don't have time to name them, but... Uh, I can oh my That's who I want to thank. Until next time, go green or go home. Yes, go home. it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. Oh,